Do you scream for Laura Dern? Because superyaki.com screams for Laura Dern, and they'll let you know it in their brand new January collection of clothes. Let Diego Luna touch Jabba, or Yaba as he says. I watch Stanley Tucci make a Negroni. And for listeners of Monsters Never Die, you can get 10% off of your order with the code SUPERMONSTER put in a checkout. So score yourself some cool merch. You can even get Stanley Tucci's cookbook there. And you know, let's watch more movies. Good evening, and welcome back to Monsters Never Die, Talk Film Society's spooky podcast where Jacob and I discuss classic monsters, human or otherwise, as well as their sequels, remakes, and ripoffs. I'm one of your co-hosts, Matt Curione, editor-at-large over at Talk Film Society, and with me this week on the good ship Lollipop is... Could you hear that? That's me beating my chest like King Kong. It's Jacob. I can do it too. I can do it too. We're big ol' apes. We're Beauty and the Beast. You get to pick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If you didn't guess, we're discussing a uh, big ol' ape this week. Is that going to be fun? That is going to be fun. It's not any big ape. It's the world's greatest big ape. It's the eighth wonder of the world. The eighth wonder of the world. Our good friend, King Kong. The ape. The only ape. Uh, Jacob, how the heck are you? It feels like I haven't talked to you in about, oh, I don't know, a year. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh it's 2021. Hopefully things wow. will be better now than they were in 2020. Um <laughs> You're funny. My uh my early year movie watching has been very King Kong heavy, so I'm excited to kind of branch out of that a little bit. Branch out and not do that. Um but uh but yeah, I'm I'm doing good. Things things are things are good. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Been watching a lot of movies, uh, in the new year. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly because you know we watch at least one or two movies a night, and then I watch movies for the podcast, and then I'll throw in a movie at work. So, uh, lots of movies yet again. Start off strong. Start off stronger than I did last year, but last year was nuts in the amount that I ended up watching, and uh, we'll see if this year is even crazier. I have a feeling it will be. Let's start off. Uh, what was your first encounter with the Kong, as they will call him? All right. This is going to sound silly. There was a book. I think it's called Cat Kong. That is okay. an adaptation of King Kong, but just with cat with photos. A cat. And it's all it's all photography. Okay. <laughs> and it loosely adapts the King Kong story. I think it cuts out the dinosaurs, but it still has Skull Island. And it has the cat in New York. Um, oh my god and yeah i that was like a childhood book that i had i'm actually just googling it right now oh it my god it probably goes for about four hundred dollars now does it i don't know i'm just guessing oh. most ki- most books that i used to have as a kid go for like crazy <laughs> amounts of money these days oh shit it's um it's by dave pilkey who um is best known for uh captain underpants and um oh shit dog cop is that what the kids are into now cop dog don't know who that is Dogman. It's it's called Dogman, but he is a cop. Okay. 
Okay. That's like, it's like the number one comic book on earth because it's for children and children are the, still reading comics. Are they? Yes. Just not you... superhero shit. They're reading yeah. Dogman, which is selling like a bazillion copies. <laughs> I am. Uh, so Cat Kong. I'm looking at this now. Um, I want it. Yeah, it's great. It's six dollars on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I might have to order this. This looks uh, freaking wonderful. Yeah, there's the also... mighty Cat Kong is on a rampage. Is anyone clever enough to stop this massive meowing menace? <laughs> uh, there's also a Dogzilla, which I didn't have, which is surprising because oh, I was shit. a much bigger Godzilla fan as a kid yeah. than yeah, I yeah. was a King Kong. Wow! Wow! Uh, okay, my first encounter with Kong was when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was probably like 1989, so I was like four or five years old, mm-hmm. and we rented King Kong and Godzilla versus Hedera. Oh uh, man, Godzilla versus Godzilla versus the Smog Monster uh, from the local video store, and had an absolute blast watching both of them. I still remember making a Empire State Building out of couch cushions and climbing it uh, in the so cool. in the TV room. And, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I fell down a few times, uh, pretending to be Kong. And, you know, uh, I believe Ann Dara was a Janine Melnitz real Ghostbusters action figure. (laughs) So, yeah, I had a great imagination back then. Lord knows what happened to it. But, uh, yeah, that's my first encounter with King Kong, watching this movie and then climbing the Empire State Building and just having a total blast watching this movie matt this is my Um, favorite story i've ever heard about (laughs) thank you uh yeah we had fun back then and and then of course you know uh i thought godzilla versus smog monster was just weird and i don't know i wasn't that big of a fan Mm. when i was a little kid uh flash forward 30 something years and it's my favorite godzilla movie but we'll get to that in another episode yes we will months uh yeah but no uh this is king kong uh 1933 fantastic fantastic movie directed by marion cooper and ernest b shozdak shows shodsack shodsack it's a weird name it's hard to, it's Cho- hard to say chodsack there you go that's his name yep uh <laughs> it's a uh as most people would know it's an rko radio picture and uh lots of fun uh everyone knows the story but i guess we could go into it you know, I have actually found that I have been talking to folks while I've been prepping for this, and people, at least it, if you're talking about n- complete normies, and I, you know, I don't think if you're listening to Monsters Never Die that you wouldn't know King Kong, but I've found <laughs> that a lot of average people don't really know much about King Kong beyond Large Monkey. Like, wow, that's... Skull Island, even the Empire State Building is kind of a 50 50 shot, whether or not they know it. Wow, okay. Uh, anyway, Carl Denham is a, uh, a film director who's, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make the next big hit. Uh, he hasn't had any success because he doesn't like to put romance in his pictures. And because, you know, women are bad and stupid. <laughs> and uh, that's an element of this movie that's a lot of... That's a choice. It's interesting. Uh, but yeah, so he finds out that there's this island uh, in the middle of nowhere. And there's something there. That he can use in his next picture. Uh, he finds a uh, out-of-work actress, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he takes her under his wing, and he's like, I'm going to make you a star. Your name up in lights, girl. And they set off on a voyage to Skull Island. 
They get there. You had to know it was going to go bad just from the name. Skull Island. I know it's not a not an appealing name. <laughs> I mean, if it was called Lady, I'm going to take you to Ice Cream Island. And then if this all happened, it would be like, well, that came as a surprise. I uh, did not expect this on Ice Cream Island. <laughs> uh, but no, they go there. Bad things happen. Uh, she meets a giant ape and hijinks ensue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. This this movie, I think, ha- is so perfectly structured. I mean, we're going to be talking about a lot of King Kong movies from yes. here on out. But I don't know if anybody ever improved on the structure of the first King Kong, which is you have half the movie. You have pretty much exactly half the movie is all set up and it's all character work and it's all building kind of the drama of the moments and then almost at that exact you know halfway point throughout the film kong appears and from the moment kong appears to the end credits it is almost non-stop stop motion monster action it's action the movie does not take a single breath once dinosaurs start showing up yep and that rules that's so good. Uh, and then the King Kong is obviously uh, animated and basically created by Willis O'Brien, mm-hmm. uh, one of the pioneers of stop motion animation. Uh, when I went to San Francisco about, oh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. I got to go to the uh, Lucasfilm offices. Oh. Where they have like the Yoda fountain outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the lobby, they have a really cool uh, sculpture of Willis O'Brien. In the sculpture, he's animating Kong on the Empire State Building. Oh, that's so cool. And uh, I have a picture of that somewhere. I need to find it and, and share it because mm-hmm. it's a really cool thing yeah. that I got to encounter. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, oh, that's the Kong guy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, as you know, most people who, uh, you know, uh, normies, I guess, as you want to call them, won't know this. But he was uh, the mentor, basically, for Ray Harryhausen, mm-hmm. who basically spearheaded the huge boom in stop motion animation yeah. going forward for the next I don't know 20 30 years yeah about that yeah yeah, yeah he was like at he's least like the go-to guy I mean Harryhausen was everyone still at it up until the 80s yeah everyone calls him like an inspiration and rightfully so and mm-hmm. without O'Brien you wouldn't have Harryhausen and yep O'Brien's work here is terrific stunning it's, it's the it's I've said it on the show before, but it's the definition of movie magic. Like mm-hmm. you see Kong and you're like, oh yeah, okay, that's an ape, and he's uh, messing everything up and just going crazy. Look yeah. at him go! It's, Look at him fight that T Rex. It's amazing how much Harryhausen not only was inspired by Willis O'Brien, but how much Harryhausen's work genuinely feels like it's of a piece with O'Brien's work. Mm-hmm. The most like, definitely the humanizing touches for Kong. The like. Which apparently Marion C. Cooper really didn't like. Marion C. Cooper wanted Kong to only be fierce and like deadly and scary. But what a mistake! Willis O'Brien kept adding just little humorous touches and little just moments of ape manity to him. <laughs> the um, the classic after he kills the dinosaur and just plays with his jaw for a moment. Oh my god. That that's, is that's iconic. That's, that's an iconic moment. That's the moment people kind of used to point out. But those are all things that Harry Housen would then carry into his work. Yeah, and really become known for that kind and style of stop motion animation, where the monsters have so much character and charisma, and you feel so and bad. You have for fun them. with it. Mm-hmm. That's the important thing. Yeah, the, uh, this this movie's it's fun. 
Uh, it's a classic for a reason. I mean, it's just, it's a, I'm going to say this a few times during this podcast, but it's a ripping adventure. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically this movie is like, just like fun and adventure from start to finish. Uh, sure. You know, the characters could be a little more fleshed out, but whatever. Uh, in this case, I'm honestly here for Kong. Mm-hmm. I want to see him go nuts and destroy things. And boy, and I want to, and, and I want to recreate the fight scenes when i was a kid mm-hmm. and i did yeah numerous times it was great one of the things i love about this one is that kong he is meaner here than i think we ever see him again like um kong yes genuinely does some damage and this movie has a real nice mean streak throughout it like people just it's get brutal. murked left and right oh my god he's absolute... stepping on people yeah kong stepping on people dinosaurs are just chucking people into the water not even bothering to eat them it's dropping people like hundreds of feet this um this is very much this is a pre-code movie and oh yes um when they re-released it after the haze code was in effect which was you know the censorship board there were a lot of cuts required to make this fit into that because it mm-hmm. is so like i said it's just it has a nice nasty streak that you're not necessarily expecting from a movie from 1933 and and a lot of people only remember the action that happens in new york there's a lot of great action on skull island i, um, I would say 90 percent of the best stuff in the movie is the skull island stuff like i love the the, uh, the stampeding uh stegosaurus mm-hmm. i think that's really cool i love the uh the scene with Kong and the uh, the sailors on top of the ravine. Yep. Going across the tree. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Yeah, the log uh, scene is something that will come back again and again because it is so the, iconic. It's, it's iconic. So, yeah. And that's another word that we're going to be saying a lot. Uh, iconic. Mm-hmm. It's this, this movie is, it's a lot of iconography coming in here. Uh, for a movie that's so old, uh, it's still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And like most movies from that era, like, you watch them and you're like, I get it. It's fun, but let's move. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. And like, they just don't have that like uh, forward momentum. Yeah, that King Kong has. This, and uh, it, bless it for that. And I think I think it's helped by everything is so beautiful once Willis O'Brien and the effect sequences start happening. Yep. And um, so the directing was split between Shotzak and Cooper, where Shotzak took essentially all of the dialogue scenes and Cooper would direct all of the special effects sequences because Shotzak was very much a one and done, loved to shoot fast, loved to work fast. He was a photographer, so that was kind of his like style. And Cooper was very much a perfectionist, so he yeah. wanted to get things He was right. a filmmaker. and He was an artist. Honestly, once you get to Skull Island... <laughs> he was Carl Denham. <laughs> There is not a shot composition in this movie past the point where Kong is introduced that is not frame worthy. Like every mm-hmm. single, I I think part of it is because they had to set up depths of field to make the special effects work. They had to set up interesting compositions to again to hide the seams, and because of that, yeah. every scene with Kong, with the dinosaurs, with any of the special effects, suddenly is composed so perfectly and beautifully that you can't imagine shooting it any other way uh real quick i do want to talk about one of the best screams to ever come out of hollywood mm-hmm. that's Faye ray oh. right there she's tremendous she's fantastic she's, she's great here i i love her i mean yes she's playing a damsel in distress but she's so good at it 
Yeah. And she's just so endearing. Mm-hmm. I, I really like her. Um, I like her. I like... Uh, I, God, I've seen this movie so many times, and I still don't know that actor's... The, the character's name. Uh, the one who's like, women are a bunch of trouble and nothing else. Oh, uh, Bruce Cabot is the um, the actor. Jack Driscoll. Jack Driscoll. Yes, Driscoll. Uh, he's the one who's like, ah, women are trouble. They're nothing else. Can't can't live with them. Can't live without them. I guess maybe I don't know. I'm Driscoll. Uh, that seems really interesting to me because so the um the final draft of this script was written by um Ruth Rose, who was Shodzak's wife, and this was her mm-hmm. first ever screenplay. And the original draft of the movie, Denim was just a big game hunter. And there was a boat of convicts that kidnapped Anne and crashed onto Skull Island. And he, like, goes to, like, go save her. Interesting. And and, uh, apparently Marion C. Cooper really didn't like this draft. So he had Ruth Rose, you know, take the bones of this and make it something interesting. And she looked at herself, Ernest Shodzak, and Marion C. Cooper and was like, we're the three leads of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. Marion C. Cooper becomes, you know, Carl Denham. He becomes a filmmaker. He becomes an adventurer. Um, Shodzak and Cooper had met because they were both serving in World War One together and they would go into these dangerous situations and film them. They made what they called action documentaries that had like loose narratives to them. And then Interesting. Interesting. Shodzak and Ruth Rose met on an Arctic exploration on a boat together. Of course they did. And so these like scenes you have to wonder how much they're pulled from real life like you watch them now and like the jackson movie even kind of pokes fun at like how seemingly like sexist at least the character is but yeah you wonder well what was your relationship like if this this is your (laughs) if you're writing yourself and your husband falling in love on a ship like you guys did is this dialogue from your actual life is this something from your diary? Did you like, <laughs> just like transcribe it? Yeah, I think you might have. Uh, but yeah, no, I love uh, love those little interactions. Um, I like the sailors here. I like that they all get murked when they go to the island. That's a lot of fun. We're gonna get to New York, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So unless there's anything else on Skull Island that you really want to dive into, no, no, no. Let's let's go to New York. Uh, so yeah, they go to New York, they capture Kong, uh, he's the eighth wonder of the world, and boy is this an impressive sequence. That's so good. It's, it's fantastic, I mean, he's there on the stage in chains, uh, everyone knows the whole story, he gets, uh, startled by, uh, the flash bulbs mm-hmm. going off, and, uh, he goes apeshit, <laughs> basically, <laughs> and, uh, runs amok across New York, uh, having fun while he does it. He he smiles. He scratches his butt here and there. There's a sweet and, elevated uh, train sequence. Oh my god! I was just about to get that. He uh, wrecks uh, a uh, elevated train, which goes past his face, and it's got that awesome yeah. scene where, like, that awesome shot of just coming up on Kong's face. Uh, the giant. Uh, I guess it's like a puppet that they had. Yeah. So they they, they made a life size Kong hand and Kong head for those kinds of sequences. Yes. Yes, and so then he destroys that train, corpses flying everywhere, uh, he starts climbing buildings, and he he picks uh, up one woman, and it's not who he's looking for, and he kind of like chucks her hundreds of feet, and she falls to her death, and it's really brutal, and uh, he captures Anne, he finds her in the hotel room. I, man, I love that he's just like reaching into buildings for- <laughs> He's like, how about you? It's so no? good. Okay. There you are. I found you. Yeah. Um, 
And then, you know, he, he climbs up and we have the, the classic biplane attack. And that scene is also just like absolutely stunningly done. Really well done. Yeah. Really, really well done. And yeah, he goes to the top of the Empire State Building, which at the time was, you know, the, the tallest building in the world, mm-hmm. I think. Right. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, since then, obviously, it's not. It's like number 48 in the world, but uh, it's my favorite building. Uh, people have those, right? Sure. I mean, it's. People have favorite buildings, I guess. It's like very iconic. Yeah, it's cool looking. Uh, I love that style of architecture. Mm-hmm. Honestly, uh, I'm gonna go off on that little little note. Uh, yeah, Empire State Building looks cool, and it looks even cooler with a giant ape climbing it. Yeah, uh, which is also the basis for uh, my favorite Christmas ornament that I have. It's called King Claws, <laughs> and it's a uh, lit up. Uh, Empire State Building with a uh, giant Santa Claus climbing on the side of it. Mm-hmm. And it's super fun. And I've had that since, well, I was like five years old. Yeah. So, yeah. It's still good. It's still not falling apart. Yeah. Isn't that fun? That, that's wonderful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, he uh, he gets attacked. And uh, it wasn't the planes that did it. It was Beauty Killed the Beast, Jacob. It's, I don't know if you knew this. I, I did know this. <laughs> it, <laughs> you know, I think it was the planes. <laughs> it definitely was the planes, but I think Beauty definitely had a part in it. I, I don't know. I think they would have killed those Kong evil regardless. Women, <laughs> those evil women, they had something to do with this. But no, it was, it was Beauty killed the beast. Okay, sure. Or so the story goes. So the story goes. Um, I think one of the um, one of the things I think makes this movie so successful is the special effects are so stunning because they were constantly changing techniques. Yeah. And so any two like back-to-back shots in this movie don't use the same techniques. I mean, Kong is always stop motion, but compositing Kong into the live action footage is always done differently and I think that that's really effective. Um, do you mind if I do just a quick rundown of the different stuff that they please, did? Please, please do. All right. So, I like to learn. Yeah, okay. So, one of the one of the best nights I ever had in my life. I um we had a projector in the house and I was watching King Kong with a roommate who was interested in film but didn't know a whole lot and we got to just i just got to go through this movie shot by shot and kind of break down how each effect was done and that was so much oh you pulled an ebert it was so great yeah (laughs) so um your the techniques for this include your split screen effects which is just Mm -hmm. your basic don't expose part of the film usually along a break line and then you re-expose it so that you're combining two separate you know pieces of footage sometimes it's a matte painting sometimes it's just something you shot somewhere else um, that's very basic, big problem. You can't cross the line, so your characters can't really interact that much. This is the first movie that really did a lot of rear projection, um, mm-hmm. because before that, they tried to do it onto glass, which didn't really work, because wherever the projector was pointed would be really bright, and it would get dark outside of that. Yeah. And also, Oof. glass is just like a pain in the ass to move around. <laughs> yeah. But they had recently invented a cellulose screen that they used for the first time on this film, and... Honestly, I think a lot of the best effects in the movie are the ones that include this rear projection technique where you have a cellulose screen, you project the stop motion footage that you've already filmed onto it, and the actors get to interact with it and watch it as they act. And The Stegosaurus. The Stegosaurus scene. Um, you also have certain shots of Fay Ray up in the tree watching the T-Rex and Kong fight. Yes, yes. It's very effective because you don't end up with those matte lines. The actors are really able to time themselves with it. It's it's really well done. Um, the only major problem with that is that you are limited to the size of your projection screen. 
So yeah. it doesn't work for your 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 large vistas. And then um, for compositing, they use two different processes: the Williams process and the Dunning process. And if you listen to our Invisible Man show, the Williams process is the one where you have three strips of film, a background, a foreground, mm-hmm. and a high contrast negative to act as a hole in the background. And then they're all combined in the optical printer. And that was used a lot in this film um, after the Dunning process. They did a few shots with this, but it didn't really seem to work that well because you couldn't do, again, big things. And that's where you have two pieces of film bi-packed into the camera together. So you just kind of wedge them in. You have a special camera that can handle kind of the thicker film. And what is printed on one strip of film is then transferred to the other. And they had the foreground action was shot with a yellow light. And the background would be a bright blue screen. And the bright blue screen would then create a hole that they could then fill with other stuff. But it's all done in camera and you don't need an optical printer. That's cool. And then uh, the final thing that they would do, which is kind of the reverse of rear projection, which was front projection that was used in the stop motion scenes. And so in the rear projection, the stop motion is shot first and then projected onto the full size set. Mm -hmm. With the front projection... You shoot the life-size stuff first, and then you project a tiny version onto it, onto a portion of the miniature set, and then advance that frame by frame as you're animating everything. And so that's used for scenes where, like, Kong is reaching into the hole below him, and Bruce Cabot is, you know, in there. Yes, yes, yes. That is just a tiny little projection of Bruce Cabot that every time... Willis O'Brien has to move Kong. He then advances the camera for that a frame, a frame as well, so that they're both wow. kind of animating together. Exhausting work, yeah. that they had to do on this movie. But you know what? Hey, it's worth and it. it. It's all um, one dude, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's all Willis O'Brien just going, "Okay, fine, I'll do this." Yeah. How about I try this? Yeah. Uh, before we get on to the next movie, I do want to say how awesome that T Rex fight is. Oh my god, it's so good. Uh, Love the uh, anatomically incorrect T Rex. <laughs> Look, uh, love him. We had I mean, like at the, just at the learned time, what gorillas at were. The time, <laughs> at the time, yeah, that's what they thought a T Rex was mm-hmm. like upright. Uh, but uh, wow, imagine my young brain uh, being devastated when I found out that T Rexes didn't stand like that. Yeah, uh, when Jurassic Park came out, and I was like, oh, they stood like this. <laughs> okay, weird, but I'll get used to it. Yeah, and now looking at movie movies that are older with the other t-rex it's like no no this is weird yeah yeah they shouldn't be standing like this <laughs> uh love it yeah love it so the movie had a uh, six hundred and seventy two thousand dollar budget which Damn. accounting for inflation is about 13 million dollars today it's still uh still that's a good amount of money yeah it's it's a it's a lot of money especially because this is the middle of the depression and that's um, a netflix movie of the week budget <laughs> Yeah, right and there. you have one person doing all the special effects, so that's like yes, that's most of these big movies' budgets now. Um, it ended up making yep. two million dollars in the middle of the Great Depression, and wow. that saved RKO. It was the first profit that they had had yep. in the five years since their founding, wow. which means that a King Kong paved the way for Citizen Kane, and Citizen Kane includes a background rear projection that has some pterodactyls from Son of Kong. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, also, I, RKO, I guess this would have paved the way for them doing distribution uh, for every other big uh, studio at the time. I mean, they did distribution for the Disney Studios mm-hmm. for years and years and years. Yeah. Uh, we've been doing, uh, when I'm not watching King Kong, we've been doing a Disney marathon. And uh, it, I kind of got a little upset when it no longer said RKO Radio Picture. <laughs> 
And then it, and during like the uh, late fifties, early sixties, it changed to Buena Vista. Mm. I was like, oh, no more RKO. Okay, I'll stop my silly impression. It's fine. <laughs> um, Matt, when this movie got sold to TV in 1956, do you know how many times they ran it on the first week it was on TV? Probably every day. 17 times they ran it wow. in that first week. Um, it was part of the Million so Dollar back then, series. People had a, a King Kong channel back then. Yep, yep. People Basically, they, they, for a whole week. They loved their Kong. People love their their big old ape. Uh, this brings us to the sequel, yeah, which came out the same year, <laughs> just I like think it came out like and three... Breaking to Electric Boogaloo, the it, two in one year package. It came out like two months later, and it was made in about a week. And uh, it's a little you can kind bit of, tell. of an exaggeration, but you can kind of tell. <laughs> and uh, this movie surprised me because it had it. It starts off with Carl Denham. Mm-hmm exactly where i thought he would be after king kong <laughs> being inundated with lawsuits yep, he's being sued out the ass uh, but you know what yes you would be sued mr denham <laughs> uh sued out the ass he's hiding in a little flop house uh he's got his landlord late landlady just like helping him avoid, like, paparazzi and, like, subpoenas. <laughs> I love that this idiot it's still so has good. his King Kong poster up in his apartment, Of course though. he does. <laughs> like, he's still proud. He knows, like, For 20 all... people died, but he's still proud. He's still proud of, like, yeah, I did catch that ape, damn it. Look what <laughs> I did. I might have, a lot of people might have died, and, you know, he scuffed up the Empire State Building, but you know what? Look what I did. Yeah. I did that. But yeah, no, he's he's being sued out the ass. Uh, he's got to get the hell out. And uh, he does, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't remember much of this movie, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's it's very forgettable. Yeah, it's... um. So the first half is very... This one takes even longer to get to anything interesting because, like we said, it came out the same year. It came out, I think, nine months later, um, April to December. And it wow. had less than half the budget, and they did it so fast because RKO wanted it fresh in people's minds, and they wanted to beat any ripoffs that were going to come out, <laughs> which is funny. And um, yeah, so Carl Denham, he uh, he meets a lady. There's like a human villain who's says that there's treasure on Skull Island that he knows about. We meet the guy who sure. gave Denham the map originally, and he's like, kind that was of a, a nice scumbag. little touch. Yeah, that's that was a nice touch. I like that. It's a it's a cool callback to the first because if you are, I like that the sea captain comes back. Mm-hmm. The cook, the guy comes with back. the cool mustache. Oh God, yeah, yeah, he comes back. Uh, that character. Yep. He's that's that's another thing. Yeah, that's, we we probably yeah. should at least mention the story of King Kong is fundamentally baked into its bones a pretty racist premise and kind of i mean it's very much built out of that we're exploring the dark continent style of adventure movie of adventure story from that era it's very built into the bones of what king kong is um you always end up with the tribe and the tribe is never presented well um, I I agree, but I do give it credit for not having blackface. I I will I will say the um the chief. I will give it a ton of credit for that I, because I agree. Back then you'd expect it. Yeah. The um actually what one of the interesting things I found was that the chief of the um the tribe in the original film was played by Noble Johnson, 
And yes. he was the founder of the Lincoln Motion Picture Company, which was a black-owned mm-hmm. studio dedicated to making movies about black characters. Yes. And they lasted for just a couple of years before they ended up folding. But um, We've talked about one of his movies uh, before. He was in The Mummy. Yes. In 1932. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also in The Most Dangerous Game, which is a movie that I've always wanted to see. So I will have to check that out. Which was filmed um, simultaneously with King Kong. Oh, fantastic. That's that's so Fay cool. Faye Ray and uh, uh, Denim would just switch over sets <laughs> along with Marion C. Cooper. Yeah, pretty nifty. Um, but yeah, so Son of Kong actually, essentially the, um, the Skull Island villagers are barely a factor in this. I think because they didn't want to pay for the set again. So they they just kind of hang out on the shore and they meet a 12 foot tall baby albino Kong. And he's a cute little buggin. He's cute as hell. I love him. And I I give that kid credit for having all that gumption with an absentee father. (laughs) And uh, well, he's not absentee. He got kidnapped and killed. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Kong left uh, left for the big uh, bright lights of the big city, and he left he left his son. Um, but yeah, it's he fights a big bear at one point. Um, That's a cool fight. Yeah, I like that. And uh, good for Carl. There's a nice I'm, like. I'm calling. I'm calling him Carl. Yeah, that, that's his that, name. That's great. There's a nice Carl Kong. Um, <laughs> King Solomon's Mines, Raiders of the Lost Ark vibe in terms of the treasure yes. on Skull Island. And once we get the, to Skull Island, this movie really picks up steam because, again, there's a lot of cool effects. They didn't have That's enough time the to do them, but it, they do some cute stuff. And um, there's it's emotional. You you really do feel for the son of Kong. He's cute. He is cute. And then he drowns. How do you not feel? F- <laughs> yeah. It's sad. Yeah. It's always sad for Kong. No survivors in Kong movies. Well, <laughs> none of them. None of them make it. Well, one of them made. Well, I was about to say, wait, um, it, unless we have more to say about Son of Kong, this does lead us to a movie where King Kong does make it out okay, but he's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. This is this is not. We watched an appealing two different Kong. versions of this movie. Uh, uh, we watched King Kong versus Godzilla from 1963. Uh, you watched a different version than I did. Yep. Uh, you, because I was uh, lazy. You were too lazy to get up and change the disc after I told I you. I was already comfortable. <laughs> uh, the movie was already on for like 20 minutes. Uh-huh. Uh, so you watched Ishiro Honda's 1962 version, the Japanese version of King Kong versus Godzilla. That I did. While I watched the 1963 American version directed by Thomas Montgomery. Uh, I'm guessing these are two very different films. So, yeah, King Kong vs. Godzilla is the Godzilla movie that changed the most in Americanization out of any of the Godzilla sequels. Um, yes. The first one may, well, the first one probably holds the record for adding Raymond Burr, but beyond that, it's usually a very close, just a dubbing, but King Kong vs. Godzilla, because it was such a big hit in Japan, they... Back then, it was considered to be going all out for a movie when you dubbed it and then filmed a bunch of new stuff for it. Mm-hmm. Like Going all out. Yeah, they're like, go. oh, yeah, no, we think this movie's going to be a big hit, so we're going to throw a lot of money at it. And if you didn't respect <laughs> it, you'd be like, ah, eh, just put some subtitles on it. We don't really care. It just, yeah. it's, you know, it just feels funny nowadays. Where My, how the times have changed. Yes. Um, yeah, so honestly, what gets cut out of the... I had grown up on the American version, and lo- it was my favorite Godzilla movie as a kid. And a lot of news reports. Yeah, a lot of news reports. I mean, it's pretty clear what the American footage is, because it's yes, white people doing news reports about things. 
Um, my my buddy mentioned that the the funniest thing ever is the the scientist going on the news with a t- with a picture book. <laughs> this is what a dinosaur <laughs> is. But so the Japanese version, <laughs> I I was surprised by how genuinely funny it is. It is very much a satire. It very much leans into the idea of satirizing advertising and pharmaceutical companies. Um, okay, because that does not come through in the English version. Yeah, the American version. The um, the opening of the movie is actually a parody of how sci-fi movies always opened in the fifties and sixties. With like, okay. it's like a shot of the glo- of the globe and like talking about cosmic radiation and everything. And then it turns out that we are watching an ad for a new drug by a pharmaceutical company. Okay, I got to watch this. It's very good. It's very funny. Um, The premise I find almost more believable than like the more recent Godzilla movies where it's like an eco, a well-funded eco-fascist like nation. In King Kong versus Godzilla, especially the Japanese cut, the premise is just that a Japanese pharmaceutical guy is like, hey, if... if we sponsor King Kong and then King Kong beats up Godzilla, I bet people will buy our drugs if we say King Kong is strong because of our drugs. Yes. Which is it's a great premise. I love it. It's it's very good and very fun. And that final fight rules. Oh, the final fight with the eat veggies? Yeah. It's fantastic. I, I love King Kong shoving a tree down Godzilla's throat. Uh I do like the fights in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think they're a lot of fun. Uh, I, I I hate that Kong suit. It's a bad suit. I hate it. It's an abomination. It 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 looks it looks like something that a child would make <laughs> uh if the child was armless. Like this movie is just it he he's hideous. Yep. He's he's just so creepy looking. And the extended arms don't help because they look no, they bend he's out got at like, weird he's angles. He's got like six joints in his arms. <laughs> Ah, uh, he's creepy. He's creepy, Jacob. I don't like him. Yeah, bad ape, <laughs> ugly. But um, you know, it's bad gorilla, shitty Peter. <laughs> it's it's interesting. So this is really the movie that, and, and I guess we we'll get into this on our future Godzilla episode. But this is the movie Shh, that sets. Don't, don't say that. People, that needs to be a, a surprise. Jacob. Oh, sorry. This is I'm the kidding. movie that sets kind of the formula for the Showa Godzilla series. Which yeah. is, you know, you have these two characters and then they come together and they meet. And it's great. Because it was only the, I, I believe it was only the third Godzilla uh, Godzilla movie. That is correct. And Godzilla you hadn't had, been seen in many years, but Toho yeah, had had... You had Godzilla, you had Godzilla Rides Again, right? Um, I think it's Raids Again. Raids Again, and then you had <laughs> Rides Again. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's he riding? He's in a... <laughs> He's in a biker gang, Jacob. <laughs> and then you had King Kong versus Godzilla. So yeah, this is still early on in the show. Series. And so s- between Godzilla Rides Again, which is what I will call it <laughs> until my dying day now. Hell yeah. And King Kong versus Godzilla, Toho had started branching out and they had made Mothra. They had made Rodan. Rodan. They had started making more and more of these special effects films. And this was kind of their culmination because they thought King Kong is such a big hit over here. Let's use him as the thing to get people's butts in seats and maybe use him to yeah. relaunch Godzilla. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because the Godzilla franchise lasted so long, people think of this as a Godzilla movie, but this is really a King Kong movie where Godzilla is almost the villain. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And um, because we spend a lot of time on Faroe Island, which is the Japanese version of Skull Island. 
Um, in this one, we do not avoid the blackface, unfortunately. Oof. Um, Oof. It's rough, yeah. Jacob. King Kong fights it's, a... It's uh, rough, especially in, in high definition. Yeah. It's rough. King Kong fights a uh, dope octopus at one point, though. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's fun. There, there's a rumor that EJ Superaya ate that ate one of the octopuses he used for that scene. Disgusting. Is, okay. Is, I, I think pretty neat. Uh, I mean, I would have eat, I would have eaten the octopus, but not after it was touched by that suit. <laughs> Ugh, I don't want that thing anywhere near. Well, me. I don't think the suit picked up an octopus. You never know. I, I, I think I. But you're right. No, this is a King Kong movie because also in the title itself, yeah, it's King Kong versus Godzilla. If it was an actual Godzilla movie, it would be Godzilla versus King Kong. Yeah. Um. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the origin of this movie. I think it's it's kind of interesting Please how do. we got a King Kong versus Godzilla. So Willis O'Brien, uh, after Son of Kong and you know years had passed, and he was looking to kind of continue his career, and he had always loved Frankenstein and wanted to do King Kong versus Frankenstein. So that would have been fun. And Frankenstein, you know, it would have been a giant Frankenstein monster. Um, so he wrote up a treatment and he took it to RKO, who had gone out of business and didn't make movies anymore, but they had retained. <laughs> So what did he just show up to like the abandoned building? Well, they 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 still knocking on the door. They still um what what their main business was then was retaining the remake and sequel rights to movies they had already made, and so they were okay. They still licensed right. things out. So so it's not like he was just talking to a janitor. Yeah, no, no. So he pitches. I got an idea for a movie. <laughs> I'm mopping the floors. Uh, what, <laughs> Matt? You will enjoy this. It does kind of end up in that direction. Okay, so Obi pitches this story of King Kong versus Frankenstein to a guy named O'Shea. And O'Shea's deal at RKO was he could negotiate deals, but he wasn't allowed to sign them. That was reserved for <laughs> okay. the like top brass at for, RKO. For Mr. RKO. Yeah. And that yes. gets very important when we get to the 70s. Okay. So O'Shea loves this idea. And he's like, great, give me all your documents. I'll start looking for producers. And he takes it to John Beck, who was a movie maker who had done some stuff. Mm-hmm. And Beck is like, I love this. Let me take these papers. I'll start pitching them to studios who can actually fund this. Jesus. I will. I'll hire the director and kind of be like a main hand on this. And so he eventually ends up at Toho after a lot of people turn him down. And Toho is like, of course, hell yeah, we'll do this. But yeah, sure. Why not? Can we replace Frankenstein with Godzilla? Yeah. <laughs> We really want to I kick guess? Godzilla off again, and we like this basic structure, but, you know, can we make that swap? And Beck is like, ah, fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> because by this point, Beck had lost touch with... Somewhere along the line, Willis O'Brien got left out of the loop. And nobody Oof. thought to tell him that they made this movie out of his papers. Oh. And so O'Brien actually didn't know they made King Kong versus Godzilla until they were advertising it. And he was like, wait, hey, wait a second. Wait, wait a minute. That's me. I was going to do this. And then Toho, who never let a good idea rest, was like, you know what? Since we have these papers, we should also do a Frankenstein movie. And that ended up becoming (sighs) Frankenstein versus Baragon or Frankenstein Conquers the World, depending on where you are. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, so that's uh, that's King Kong versus Godzilla. It's it's dope. It's a it's a great fight, and um, King Kong gets his ass kicked for a lot of it until he's struck yeah, he by does. lightning and becomes super strong, which is a thing the Japanese just decided King Kong can do. They decide over the years. They decided he could do a lot of things, Jacob. <laughs> it it feels like part of me wonders. I'm like, 
was that an element that happened to Frankenstein? And then when they switched it with Godzilla, they're like, ah, just put Probably. it on King Kong. We don't care. Yeah, put it on. Put it on. It's fine. Uh, they just decide a lot of things over the years, and ninety uh, percent of the time it works. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this brings us. Uh, I think uh, this brings us to uh, wow, nineteen sixty sevens King Kong escapes. This movie is wild. Uh, uh, <laughs> Where the the ape suit is somehow worse. Really? I think it's a little better. Oh, it's so much worse, Jacob. Oh my god. It's the same suit. They 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 just like left it in a closet for like four five years and they were like, Yeah, yeah, that's still good. What do, when it's got covered in crap, whatever. Just put it, it on. It is a new suit, and I'll tell you why that's important later. Oh <laughs> god, it's whatever. Then they did a worse job the second time around. Like, shame on them. Uh, this is basically a spinoff of the, at the time, Saturday morning cartoon mm-hmm. that Toho was doing of Godzilla. And it very much is a Saturday morning cartoon, Godzilla, uh, King Kong movie. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, spies. It's like a, it's almost like a James Bond movie. Yeah, you've got the evil Doctor Who. Yes. And he's, the uh, villains in this are so good. Like, I don't really care yeah, about love any the villain of the here. heroic characters, but I love all the villains. You have fake James Bond. And his lady. Yep. Uh, but you do have the evil Doctor Who, and he's fantastic. And he built a giant Robo-Kong. And, Mechanicong yeah, is so fucking cute. He's cool as shit. I, I don't he's know cool. how they expected us to root against him, because he is the cutest thing I've ever seen. He's awesome. Yeah. He's he's just a badass like design, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, this movie's okay. I mean, it's it's not a good movie. But I do have fun with it. It feels a little tonally confused because this is essentially, this is a Shiro Honda. This is the crew that made like the classic mainline Godzilla movies, Mothra vs. Godzilla. This is a Shiro Honda and Iji Tsuburaya and Akira Ifukube. And they're bringing their A-game Godzilla heat to what is very much a B-game Godzilla script. Like... Yes. I honestly think Ashiro Honda and Jun Fukuda, who was making Ibira Monster of the Deep at the same time, they should have swapped, yeah. swapped roles. Okay. Because Fukuda had that much kind of looser swinging style to his movies, and Ashiro Honda does kind of a much more serious kind of thing. And, like, this movie is not serious. It's very fun and goofy, but his visual style just... It's goofy as shit. It makes it feel too high budget for such a goofy premise. Yeah. Um, it's very goofy, uh, but I do like it. Yeah. I like it yeah. a lot. So, so this movie came about because Toho wanted to make a sequel to King Kong versus Godzilla. And so they wrote what became a Bira monster of the deep, the Godzilla versus the sea monster movie. And they built all the sets and they built the Kong suit for it. And then they went mm-hmm. to RKO to be like, Hey, can we do this? Which <laughs> was kind of dumb on their part. And RKO hated the script. So they're like, no, but we do have this show that's going on run by Rankin and Rankin Bass, which who made the friggin' Rudolph cartoons. Yeah. The Rudolph and all that. And they're like, part of their deal is the rights to make a feature film adaptation. If you want to be the people who do that, maybe you guys can meet up and we'll approve that. And they're like, all right, sure, whatever. And then they quickly control F replaced King Kong with Godzilla in a bureau monster of the deep. And that's that's why he doesn't act like Godzilla. Yeah, that's why he like falls in love with a lady and is on a like, and takes a nap. Yeah, it's great. Gets struck by lightning uh, and gets super strong. One of the reasons I love uh, Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. Yeah, Godzilla takes a nap. 
It's wonderful. I felt seen when I when I saw that. It was it was beautiful. Yeah. Well, this movie is it's very much a live action kids cartoon, and yes, for it's, it's for better ridiculous. and worse, I love it. Watch it for Mechanic Kong. Be... I love him. Yeah, Mechanic Kong rules. Uh, you know what else kind of rules? King Kong seventy six. <laughs> King Kong seventy six. Dino Do- De Laurentiis himself. <laughs> Look at him go, Mister Dune. A couple years before Dune, remaking Kong. Uh, uh, making the uh, you know the exclamation in the trades that it's going to be bigger, better, and more extravagant in every in every way than the 1933 version. Uh, this movie kind of rules. I really really like it. I mean, you have this really hot cast of Jeff Bridges and uh, Jessica Lange. Uh, they're both incredibly attractive in this movie, uh, even if her name in it is very stupid. <laughs> You know, I conceptually hate it, but in the movie itself, I actually kind of like it. I, I, like, giggle when she explains it. My name is Dwan. It's like Dawn, but I switch two of the letters to make it more unique. It's like, okay. That's, All right. You're never going to make it in this business, lady. That's some of that good, Dino. <laughs> that's some of that good um, Lorenzo Semple Jr. screenwriting. I, I really like the script for this. I think Lorenzo Semple Jr. did a great job. It's it's good. I like the direction here. I like John Gillerman. I am a huge fan of the Towering Inferno, which he had just made previous to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my favorite of the '70s disaster pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, really like that he went off of that, and Laurentis was like, "Make my ape movie," and he's like, "Yeah, I, yeah, sure, why not? I could do that." Yeah, he, sure. he does a pretty good job of this. Yeah, he's good. Charles Grodin is great here, mm-hmm. playing that that wormy millionaire oil man. Uh, who's just such a such a turd? Oh my goodness, he's a turd. Uh, yeah, and Jeff Bridges is great. He's you know just he's Jeff yeah. Bridges, man. He's <laughs> he, a Jeff he Bridges photographer, a Jeff dude. Jeff Bridges energy to everything. Yes, uh, Matt, do you know the uh, the famous Dino De Laurentiis uh, quote about this movie when he was trying to sell it to people? No, he goes, "When Jaws die, nobody cry." When my yes, monkey die, everybody cry. <laughs> everybody cry. <laughs> that's what I always think about. With this, that's the main thing I think about when I think about King Kong seventy six. When my monkey uh, die, everybody cry. <laughs> Just, this this movie's good. Uh, the Skull Island stuff isn't as good as the city stuff, or yep. or you know that uh, is just there's no dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does fight a giant snake, mm-hmm. and that is fucking awesome. Uh, because it's just so violent and gory. The moment where he rips he, the like, snake's head into is awesome. Yeah, the rest of the he rips his head into and just because it's just like guts are everywhere. Snake. It's not well, even like a puppet; it's just like a snake stuffed yeah. animal that he battles. Uh, so basically, uh, Charles Grodin is going to this island for oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's an oil man, uh, and he goes there for the oil, and it turns out there's no oil. Uh, There's oil, but it's not going to be ready for another, was it like... 10,000 years. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that that guy, what's that guy's name? That actor's name? Rene something. Rene Aubergine. He hangs out with Robert Altman a lot. (laughs) Yeah, he's an Altman dude. Uh, But he's fun. Uh, Groden plays a worm. And uh, yeah, they capture Kong. And they bring him to New York. And we get to see a giant animatronic kong for about two seconds and it's pretty cool it's impressive as hell that they were able to make this 40 foot robot 
<laughs> and uh yeah pretty cool uh if you most of the movie though is a guy in a suit which is a little upsetting uh, i mean the suit looks a lot better than the toho kong yep. thank god uh <laughs> and uh listeners if you look closely those are rick baker's eyes mm-hmm. uh behind kong's face this is one of his first gigs uh before he you know became you know the makeup effects legend that we all know him as he got started making you know working on king kong and doing those little jobs here and there but yeah no uh it's a pretty fun movie and it's scary and violent yeah yeah i think it does a lot like one of the things i actually like about it is that it's very dated it is extremely 1976 and it's very 70s that makes it interesting to me because they decided that they wanted to put it into what was then the modern day and modern day they wrote a script that reflected that and i think that's the great times yeah they they get the spy photos of skull island by bribing what is suggested to be nixon <laughs> yeah yeah groden like uh brags about bribing the president yeah. it's pretty great um uh, there's the dwan's line uh did you ever know anybody whose life was saved by deep throat um yes <laughs> but i think this script is genuinely very funny it's written by it's pretty Lorenzo good simple jr who is best known for creating batman 66 he wrote flash gordon mm-hmm. and i think because of the batman connection people often write this down as campy but i don't think this is a campy movie this movie takes i don't think Kong it's campy very at all. seriously it takes the emotions does, of that yes. very seriously but it has a wry sense of humor the characters have a wry sense of humor and that's the difference like yes. the characters are funny but they don't necessarily see the situations that they're in as funny and um i like that i, I think it's it's really well written i think you kind of hit the nail on the head not having dinos on skull island it's a mistake. It, it tanks the middle of this movie because yes, it's just Skull Island never feels like a thriving ecosystem. It never feels like anything really. It's just kind of there. It doesn't help. Yeah, it's just it's just an island. The Kong effects in those sequences are not fantastic either. You don't really get a sense of scale with Kong because um, Gilman chose not to shoot them in slow motion because yeah. he said that he thought that. You wouldn't get the expressiveness of Rick Baker's eyes if you shot it in slow motion. But that's fair. Because of that, you have a Kong suit surrounded by fake trees and you yeah. get no sense of scale. Like you don't. It works in New York when you have buildings to play him against. And he seems yes. large while being dwarfed by buildings. But when he's in the forest, you don't really have any sense of that. And he just seems like a man in an ape suit. Which is a shame because I think it's a good it's a OK suit. I think good the mask suit. is amazing. <laughs> Oh um, yes, uh, this this uh, would go on to win uh, a visual effects Oscar, a special achievement in visual effects yep. uh, that year, tied with Logan's Run. Interesting. The um the ape effects they're interesting. So it's it's Rick Baker who made the suit, and he's working with Carl Rambaldi, who was like he is the man who made ET. Um, he designed yes. the uh the bit of the alien head that like he designed the mechanics to have the mouth come out of the alien head. And he is basically Giger. Giger was like, do this. And he's like, yeah, I'll yeah. make it happen. He's very much a he's a very good puppet and small level mechanical engineer. He made the extremely good ape mask. But one of the Rumbaldi's problems with King Kong is that 
His eyes are bigger than his stomach, and he got asked to do a lot of stuff that he wasn't particularly experienced at or good Ready at. Ready to do. So he yeah. had final say over the Kong costume and would fight Rick Baker on almost every decision. And in most of them, he ended up he being would. wrong. Yeah. And so Rombaldi, his big task on the movie was to design the life-sized King Kong. And... Oof. Tall and order. he was so excited. Oh, and he came up with his designs, and his designs were he was going to build a life-size King Kong robot that could do almost <laughs> all of the action in the movie. <laughs> okay. And he was like, yeah, no, don't worry. This is going to be your main Kong. Like, you might have to use a person in a suit for a few quick shots, but you're going to be using the big Kong for almost everything. And mm-hmm. literally everybody else who knew anything about anything looked at his plans and were like, Dog, this isn't going to work. This won't work. Um, this is too tough. So they took his designs to an aircraft manufacturing company, and they uh, <laughs> they were like, oh, this is going to take three years to build. Yeah. And so Rimbaldi's designs ended up getting thrown away, and um, the special effects supervisor on the movie, who was a guy who had also worked in theme parks, was like, all right, I can build you a Kong. He's going to be able to move his arms, move his eyes, wiggle his toes. And uh, move his head around and breathe. And that's it. But he's going to be life-size. And they're like, all right, that's great. Yeah. And this movie had a really short production schedule. Because- and they were like, guy in a suit it yeah. is. So they had still planned to build the life-size Kong and use him for, like, big shots on Skull Island. Like, the first shot you see of Dwan and Kong. But because it wasn't going to be ready until the end of shooting, they ended up only using him at the very end in the sh- in the um the big reveal sequence which is a shame because they did build a life-size kong and it did work it just didn't really match the man in suit in yeah you know his arms can really only move straight up and down because you build a theme park ride kong true uh but yeah no i think i think kong looks pretty Mm -hmm. cool uh, especially from the the neck up uh gotta say another one of my favorite things about this movie is the music oh it's good john barry uh, John Barry's score here is uh, top tier. It's just, it's thrilling. It gets you in the mood. And another thing that's uh, stirring about this movie is the gore. Yeah. Uh, when Kong gets shot, it is horrifying. Mm-hmm. There is blood everywhere. They covered that, that ape suit in squib upon squib and just went to town yeah on it and it's really sad and it's scary and uh oh yeah no empire state building in this one well he's on the twin towers he's on the twin towers and uh oof how about that yeah that's something (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that's it's it's a good finale it's a very good finale uh it brings uh this story to a pretty good close uh kong dies at the end obviously but no he didn't well so, Matt, do you know the original ending of this film? I do not. So, uh, this was... Oh, oh, wait, real quick. Charles Grodin getting stepped on is awesome. Charles Grodin... Oh, Matt, so that is actually... That that will lead into the original <laughs> ending. Great. Charles Grodin getting stepped on is awesome. But that is actually yes, is. A, um, a slight edit. In the original cut hmm. of the movie, Charles Grodin, you think he gets stepped on, but then Kong lifts his foot and you see he only got the hat and Charles Grodin is next to the footprint... And is like oh, so shell shocked that you see that he like regrets everything, but audiences didn't like that and were like, "We want to see him die." 
So they just yes, <laughs> no, kill him. So please. when you watch the actual movie, you can kind of tell the the scene is cut kind of awkwardly, and Charles Grodin supposedly does get crushed, but we never actually see any of that happen, um, yeah. because the footage existed that he survived. But um, yeah, the end of the movie originally when they're in the bar, Dwan is talking to Jack, and she's like, "Do you think our relationship has a chance? You know, we we started in such a weird place." And Jack tells her, he's like, you know, I think you and I are only going to be able to have a relationship and move forward if Kong survives this. Otherwise, we're both going to be so haunted by this that we'll never be able to get over that. And then at the end of the movie, when he sees that Kong is dead and she is surrounded by photographers, he turns and walks away. And that's why the end of the movie, it's a little awkward, like... I think they try to sell it as Jack is trying to push through the crowd to get to her, but he also like looks really hesitant about that. Yes. And that's because the footage there is supposed to be telling you, oh, Jeff Bridges realizes he and Dwan are never going to work together and he's just going to leave her there with the dead monkey. Yeah. And that's such a 70s ending. Like, the motherfucking 70s endings, they just love really just Sad. sticking the knife and twisting it. Yeah. 70s were like just sad ending upon sad ending. Yeah. But they're good endings. Yeah, it's a, this is a good ending. Um I really I, I like this movie a lot. Again, I I I, dig I it. wish Skull Island was It's one of those movies I watched a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh rent, renting it on VHS and then never got it on DVD for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And then it was out of print mm-hmm. on DVD for years and it's not available on Blu-ray in the States. Uh, it was released here on HD DVD. If anyone remembers nice. that. Uh, yeah, but I had to actually get a Japanese import oh, nice. of the Studio Canal Blu-ray. Uh, really good transfer. Actually has a pretty decent amount of bonus features, like behind-the-scenes oh, stuff. Oh, that's cool. Uh, it's yeah. good. It's good. And and thank goodness you can change the language of the menus, or else I wouldn't know what the hell I, I was choosing or going to so one of the reasons this is so hard to find nowadays is that there were a hell of a lot of legal troubles going into this i believe and, it. um I, I i you can get this thing on dvd now as a two-pack with um the original king yeah. kong but even that's out of print um there's a lot of misinformation out about this uh and i i, I want to clear up some things so i'm, I'm just going to give you a rundown of what all the legal troubles were going into this please so, do at the very in the early 1970s, either Dino De Laurentiis or Michael Eisner came up with the idea to remake Kong. Both claim credits, okay. but only one of them can be right. Um, but they they had worked together in the past, so either Eisner told De Laurentiis, "Hey, you should make a Kong movie," or De Laurentiis was like, "I'm going to make a Kong movie." <laughs> so Dino goes to O'Shea, the RKO guy from earlier, who could negotiate deals but not sign them. But meanwhile, Universal, in a weird piece of parallel thinking, was also like, hey, you know what movie would be cool to remake? King Kong. Does anybody want to go talk to RKO about this? (laughs) So they send somebody to also talk to O'Shea. And the, the rumor is that O'Shea preferred the Universal deal, but for whatever reason... De Laurentiis is the guy who got the RKO top brass to actually sign the paper. So Dino gets the signature and he's like, okay, I'm good. I have the rights. I'm going to go make King Kong. Now, Universal 
they get the idea that they've got a verbal agreement that they won the bidding with O'Shea, yeah. who probably told them something like, hey, I can't sign contracts, but yeah, you guys are the choice. You, get, I, I want to do this movie with you. And so Universal is like, okay, great. We've got the rights. Let's go start making a King Kong movie. So they go off and they start making a separate King Kong movie that was going to be taking place in the 30s. So when Universal finds out that Dino is being is remaking King Kong, they get pissed and they they're like, "Hey, they're like, what, hey the what the hell? We had an agreement." And they sue RKO for breach of verbal contract. Ha-ha. The Superior Court rejects their case as paper then. They're like, "This guy actually has papers that say he has the rights." Yeah. You just have like you, you, you have nothing. So then I can't I I can't uh, wager on a on a handshake yeah. here. So Universal is like, okay, that didn't work, but we don't want to give up on this King Kong idea. Let's try something new. And so they they try a new tactic to claim that okay, well King Kong the movie is owned by RKO. But before the movie came out, several months earlier, there was a novel based on the script that they used to promote the movie. I have it. That I have it. One of the first novelizations. Yeah. Of of a film, and that move that novelization came out in December of thirty two, and the movie came out in April of thirty three, and that novel had slipped into the public domain in nineteen sixty, and so Universal is like, okay, yeah, we're not remaking the King Kong movie, we're adapting oh. this King Kong novel that happens to be in there the public go. domain, and so the court was like. I guess they were like, what? <laughs> we don't know enough to say you're wrong, but we're gonna think about this for a little bit. You hold yeah. tight. And Universal was like so confident, they're like, fuck it, we're gonna win this. Let's start working on this movie because we need to oh. get it out before Dino De Laurentiis does, because people aren't gonna see two King Kong movies in one year. And that whole lawsuit situation is why the 70s King Kong had such a short turnaround time and why I think some of the effects yeah. don't work as well as they would have liked them to because normally they would have taken probably two to three years but Dino was like he took out an ad he's like in one year from now biggest movie ever made King Kong watch it mm-hmm. so RKO good book by the yeah. way the novelization it's cool so RKO then decides to counter sue Universal saying hey oh this King Kong movie you're trying to make infringes on our copyright on king kong and universal at this point panics and is like okay we'll just settle with dino and we will help fund his movie in exchange for merchandising and control of sequel rights and dino was like ah i still have the paper i don't really need that but yeah head of paramount who was distributing kong 76 was like please just settle we're partners with universal with other stuff so if you make this into a fight we're gonna pull out of the movie so the settlement deal ended up being that Universal gets 8% of the profits of King Kong 76. They get certain merchandising wow. rights, and they got veto power over the sequel. And they kept the ability to one day make a Kong remake as long as it wasn't within 18 months of the Dino De Laurentiis version. And uh-huh. that deal is what eventually became the Peter Jackson King Kong remake. Yes. Um, Universal dropped De Laurentiis as a defendant in their suit against RKO, which did end up finding in favor that the Kong novelization was in the public domain and that you're free to adapt it. Oh, wow, okay. And then that, this is the the very end of this. 
So when are you and I making a Kong movie? Well, so since the that's Cooper in the public domain, right? Has since I think re-upped their copyright on the Kong novelization. Okay, and now right. they have publishing rights for King Kong, and that's why okay. we don't get movies called King Kong anymore. We just get Kongs. Mm-hmm. But um, lame. <laughs> but so Universal is now like really confident about their King Kong lawsuits for whatever reason. So in the <laughs> '80s, when Donkey Kong comes out. They're like, oh, hey, God. you motherfuckers, King Kong belongs to us, even though he doesn't really. And so they sued Nintendo about Donkey Kong, just trying to get some of the profits from Nintendo. And the the Jeez. court looked at this and was like, hey, wait a second. You guys were here 10 years ago arguing that a big monkey named Kong who climbs things is public domain, and we agreed with you then. Get out of here. Yes. So Nintendo <laughs> won that. Just like Nintendo wins most yeah. lawsuits. So that's that's my big uh, King Kong lawsuit rant. Um you know what uh, sequel they probably Universal probably should have stopped from happening? King Kong Lives. Matt, can I tell you my problem with King Kong Lives? That it exists. It should be called King Kong Dies. Yeah, he dies. Uh, in this movie. Yeah, sure. I don't like this movie. <laughs> I don't like it, yeah. Jacob. And LOL at Linda Hamilton for doing the movie because she thought it would help her career. <laughs> She's good in it. She is, but it's like, this is the horse you hitched yourself to. I like to. the guy, really? whoever he is. I don't know yeah. his name. Um, yeah, it's, so King Kong lives 10 years later. Guess what? He didn't die. He's only been in a coma for 10 years, Jacob. They really missed the boat on when you could release a King Kong sequel. Because like oh, 10 years later, God. nobody gives a shit anymore. No one cares. It's just like, oh, it's... King yeah. Kong. So King Kong didn't from, die. Not from the original. It's King Kong, King Kong from the remake. Yeah. So remake Kong turns out didn't die from being shot Ugh. all the hell with help by helicopters and falling off a hundred and one story building, and uh, he's just in a coma, <laughs> and he needs a heart transplant. But he's not strong enough for the heart transplant unless he gets an infusion of King Kong blood. Yes, he needs Kong blood, special Kong and- blood. By luck, as luck would have it, a guy who's in Borneo takes a nap. Discovers that there's a lady Kong <laughs> by taking by a taking nap. a nap. Now, Matt, my problem with this is Borneo, like Skull Island, is like a lost, uncharted island. Borneo is just yeah. like a regular Borneo's island a place- that has multiple countries on it. <laughs> like people live there. Borneo's a place I've yeah, heard like. Of. Queen Kong can't live there and have nobody know. But uh, apparently, yeah. <laughs> but so they capture they capture Lady Kong and they give Kong his blood transfusion so he's strong enough for a heart. And there's a Kong heart surgery scene that I actually I think is kind of fun. I like it's it's fun. I don't know. It's just funny to see King Kong go under heart surgery. <laughs> like that's my kind of like campy humor. I, it's so stupid. It's so they have stupid. They use like chainsaws to cut into them. It's kind of cool. Like the first few minutes I'm watching this, I was like, "This is such bullshit. <laughs> this is such such '80s horror movie sequel bullshit." Because I mean, they even do the recap of the original. Yeah. Like in the first, they they use ten minutes of screen yeah. time to show you what happened at the end of the last movie. Um, the poster's funny. The the poster sucks. 
The poster's hilarious because it's King Kong being chased by helicopters. He has a tank in his hand with people falling out of it, and he's reaching off off screen to to a Lady Kong's hand. It's so cartoony and too. It's so bad. It's such a stupid movie. I mean, I <sighs> good lord. So I kind of enjoyed this one. And I can't believe they got John Gillerman to come back, and this was his last movie before well, he his passed. Career like, was going down the tubes quickly. Not like this. Don't do this. He had done Sheena Anything. before this. I don't know what that it's is. It's a Jungle Woman movie. It's sure. Not great. Um, okay. But this movie, it's so. What I like about this movie is that it's at least something with King Kong that I've never seen before. And when you watch nine King Kong movies for a podcast in a row, that's at least a notable attribute. Like Queen Kong, so King Kong and Lady Kong have a date, and there's just like long oh sequences God. where it's like the Kongs falling in love, and I like that. Oh that's God. that's Jacob style <laughs> good movie content. Oh boy, I don't even remember that. Oh part. man, it's so good. Uh, that, like he tries to show her a snake, and she hates that. And he's like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> what? That's a cool snake." Um, it's. I think the scale is sold a lot better in this one. You get King Kong, um, in like small towns, which is again something I've never seen. I've seen King Kong on Skull Island. I've seen him in a big city. I've never seen him walk by a Piggly Wiggly, except for now. This movie, um, uh, the action's cool, I guess. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess the heart surgery's fun. I guess that, uh, Baby Kong is boring. It's just a I, fucking little ape. I will admit, this is the closest I've ever come to crying at a King Kong movie. Wow, I, I genuinely <laughs> felt bad about. <laughs> so King Kong gets shot all to hell, just as his wife is giving birth to his baby and um i felt nothing Linda hamilton Jacob. is just like hey go go touch your like go see your baby before you pat and so he, he looks up and he t- I, I don't know it got to me maybe i just have dad issues i felt but, uh... nothing jacob <laughs> i felt absolutely nothing during that sequence he bites a hillbilly in half that's fun oh you know just eat your fucking slop you big dildo. <laughs> Are you talking to me or King Kong? Both of you. <laughs> Good lord, King Kong lives. Um, I, again, I wouldn't recommend it, but for one of nine King Kong movies, I... If you're in the mood for not... some Kong bullshit, honestly... This is the movie with the most Kong bullshit. It's got a lot of bullshit in it. and uh, There is one funny line, I think, um, and... It's right before the guy and Linda Hamilton are about to have sex for the first time. And he's like, are, are you sure about this? And she's like, hey, we're primates too. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny to me. I love that. Because King Kong bones in this one. That's awesome. King uh, Kong gets laid. Uh, with the Lady Kong. the Weird looking Lady Kong. But, uh, uh, but yeah. yeah, King Kong lives, 1986. Find it somehow. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> good luck. Because this thing's out of print. I think the DVD goes for like ninety dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's not worth that. It's, don't. It's, uh, yeah, I, honestly, don't look, work very hard to track this movie down. How much is this thing? Hold on. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon used for forty five dollars. 
don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't spend that much money on this. Oof. I would do that for Slumber, Par- Slumber Party Massacre 2. Sure. But that rarely goes for that cheap, Oof. sadly. God, King but. Kong lives. Cool. All right, so before we get to the next big Kong movie, I want to talk about what is probably the smallest Kong movie. Um, <laughs> Kong himself is not small. The The movie is... I don't know what to say about The Mighty Kong, which it's, is an animated King Kong movie made in the 90s. It's a musical, right? It is a musical that stars Dudley Moore. Okay. Ariel herself, Jody Benson. That's fun. And the music is done by the Sherman Brothers of okay. like, Mary Poppins. Of Disney fame. Yeah. And so there is so much value behind the scenes, but... In the the animation looks like hot garbage. Oof! It looks like it was written for like you know on a cocktail napkin. It probably was. It feels like a mockbuster in every way. I don't know how they got any of these people to be in it. Um, but others to say is there's a lot of okay musical numbers that are badly performed, except <sighs> for Jody Benson who does pretty good. Well, and, she's Jody um, Benson. I mean, it's hard for her not to. It follows the original movie almost exactly, except at the end, Kong gets gently knocked off the <laughs> Empire State Building by two blimps holding a net. <laughs> and like, That's cute. Twas Beauty killed the beast. And then Kong's eyes open and he's like, oh, no, I'm OK. And then the movie ends without. <laughs> Does he like, say that? Well, he doesn't say anything, but like <laughs> Kong does, is alive. Does, and Kong, that kinda... does he sing in this movie? No, he does not. So who's Dudley Moore then? I figured, Dudley oh Moore. man, in my mind, Dudley Moore was the singing voice of Kong. No, Dudley Moore is a CB denim for some okay. reason. Not so just clearly, Carl denim. you watched this and I didn't. It, yeah, it was. <laughs> it's an hour and ten minutes that Ugh. I'll never get back. Um, Oof, it's it's nothing. It is it is a uh, nothing movie. Uh, Don't watch real, The Mighty Kong. Real quick, speaking of good animated Kong, there's the Treehouse of Horror three King Homer segment. Uh, fantastic. It's a retelling of the original King Kong, except, uh, you know, Marge is Ann Darrow, Carl Denham is Mr. Burns, and, uh, Homer is King Homer. And it's a lot of fun. It's one of my favorite segments from the early Treehouse of Horrors. And, uh, King Kong eats Shirley Temple, and it's really fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, that's. They actually bring that up on the uh, commentary with Ray Harryhausen on the original King Kong. Oh, they talk about that? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah, he's like, even today, this this movie's still getting fans. (laughs) I think because I think that was from the, I think that commentary with Harryhausen is from the um, early uh, Criterion uh, Laserdisc. Oh, interesting. I think they they used they. Universal, uh, they kept the rights. Yeah. Uh, no, Warner Brothers has the distribution rights to King Kong, the original, uh, the on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And they kept the uh, Criterion uh, commentary for that. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. does that Blu-ray still have the um, documentary features where Peter Jackson essentially tries to recreate yes. Kong? That stuff is so good. Uh, that is on that, and there's also a lot of stuff about him recreating Kong on the bonus features for, uh, his King Kong, mm-hmm. actually, which I watched the other day. I watched, uh, oh boy, let's get to it. Yeah, King Peter Kong. Peter Jackson's King Kong. Uh, I'm gonna come right out the gate 
and uh, say something that might shock a lot of listeners. It's my favorite Peter Jackson. Uh, that is shocking. All of his idiosyncrasies and indulgences are on the screen. Uh, he goes wild with this movie. Uh, it is self-indulgent. Uh, it's got that trademark look. It's Peter Jackson writ large uh, with one of the biggest budgets of his career, uh, finally making that passion project that he'd wanted to do since he was, I don't know, eight years old, mm-hmm. uh, he explains on the bonus features. Uh, he made like a Super, Super 8 remake of King Kong in his backyard uh, using a uh, like a clay Kong and uh, little buildings that his mom helped him make. And there's actually, uh, there's not the footage from that, but... If you watch the bonus features, there's like still still shots from it, and it's like really really cool. Oh. And Universal first contacted him to remake this movie in 1996 when he was finishing up the Frighteners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frighteners was about two weeks from being done, and Universal flew him out, and they were like, "We want you to do Kong." So him and his uh, his partner at the time, uh, Fran Walsh, uh, they're married, of course, uh, wrote a uh, screenplay, uh, which was basically a, a modern retelling of King Kong and uh basically that all happened uh but then Universal got cold feet because uh the Godzilla remake had come out the, the Roland Emmerich Godzilla and it didn't do that great so Universal pulled the plug so about oh I don't know 9 months of work uh down at uh Weta went down the tubes uh, so much character design, mm-hmm. creature designs, so much like the design of Kong, how they were going to do Kong. Uh, all this stuff just went down the tubes uh, until, you know, Lord of the Rings was wrapping up. Yeah. And uh, there's actually a really cool video. Uh, I shared it with you, Jacob. Uh, there's a YouTube channel called The Carter Crew where they do visual effects reactions. And they got the head of uh, Weta Digital to sit down with them and talk about all the work that Weta has done over the years. And he was talking about, you know, we had we were finishing up on Lord of the Rings. We were at the rap party expecting, you know, we're going to take some time off before we do anything else. <laughs> and then at the rap party, Peter Jackson comes up to all of them and says, we start on King Kong tomorrow morning. And he's like, oh, so much for that vacation. <laughs> so, yeah. So they went right into that, and uh, this is, yeah, like I said, it's my favorite Jackson. It's it's my also my favorite version of King Kong. I love this version of the story. I love how it's, it takes place in the 30s during the Depression, mm-hmm. but it shows the Depression. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great element of it. It's a fantastic element, and I understand, you know, you don't want to do that in the original because... Back then, you don't you don't want people to think about the horrors of the world. Yeah, around It'd them. It'd be like making a COVID movie right now. Oh wait, they've been doing that. Well, kill, kill me, please. Uh, but no, this actually shows the depression, and I love the opening shots of the zoo, mm-hmm. where you're not sure: am I on Skull Island right now? Uh, what's happening? Oh wait, no, that's the, that's the Central Park Zoo, and I love the the Hoovervilles. I love everything about this. I love the use of vaudeville mm-hmm. that's, in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Naomi Watts plays Ann Darrow, who's the the vaudeville actress, uh, who's got a, you know a pretty good routine, ripping off Chaplin, honestly. <laughs> and uh, she's a lot of fun in this movie. She's so good in this. This is my favorite Naomi Watts. I think she's. I don't think she's ever been better than she is in this movie. She brings a lot of heart 
to this movie. Uh, I love Jack Black as Carl Denham. Mm-hmm. I think he's a lot of fun. Uh, I also I saw an interview with him where he got called by Peter Jackson, but his agent was like, "They want you to be in the new King Kong," and he's like, "That's ridiculous." He's like, I'm, he's like, he's like, I'm Jack Black. No, this is, yeah. this is stupid. And his agent's like, just go meet with Pete and see what happens. Uh, we'll see what we can do. And it wasn't even an audition. It was just Jackson and Walsh for 20 minutes showing him concepts and storyboards. And at the end of the 20 minutes, they go, so Jack, you're going to be in our movie, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, great. sure. Why not? Uh, but yeah, no, I love I love the characters here. I love the actors. I, I like Jack Black. I like Adrian Brody here. Yeah, he's great in this. I like how they recast Jack Driscoll instead of the actor. He's the writer. I, that's a really smart adaptational move. Uh, I like that. Um, I like Jamie Bell in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's pretty good. Uh, he's got I some like, Tom Holland vibes to him. Very much so. Uh, I also like that he's the one that taught Naomi Watts how to dance. Mm, that's and fun. like he's the one who like gave her the dancing lessons because uh-huh. he's like you know I'm, I'm pretty good at this uh, <laughs> I could do this I love Kyle Chandler in this movie he's so good uh, he's terrific as Bruce Baxter uh, fucking love Kyle Chandler he's a lot of fun just hamming it up as like the movie star uh, but he yeah. would have looked better with that mustache he really would have he really it's a good would've. look for him <laughs> it, it is uh, but no I love everything about this movie uh and we haven't even talked about the star yet gong uh yes andy circus uh my god i'm gonna just start saying this word over and over again my favorite andy circus performance i uh don't think he's ever topped himself here when it comes to motion capture i mean yeah Gollum's Gollum, but uh to really pull off an ape like he does here yeah Top tier stuff. Uh, this movie rules. It's gorgeous. Uh, the the Kong himself looks better than most visual effects since. He does. Uh, Kong, Kong himself looks fantastic in this. I've said this online before, but Weta don't fuck around. <laughs> they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And their effects are always great, and they always hold up. And uh, yeah, I'll chime in a little more, but... Uh, what do you think of Kong? <laughs> this is probably my second favorite Kong movie. And probably like my fifth or sixth favorite Peter Jackson movie. If I'm being honest. Um, but, you know, I think Lord of the Rings is honestly one of the most impressive achievements in movie history. Agreed. I, I think I think what he was able to do with Lord of the Rings is just stunning and shocking. And I don't think he gave himself the time to match that with King Kong. Not, not that he needed to or should have, but, you know, King Kong comes out in what, 2005? 2005, yeah. So that's two years after Return of the King and, you know, Lord of the Rings from... It's an impressive turnaround, though. It, it's it's a very impressive turnaround <laughs> very for impressive a three-hour film that is filled with special effects. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like this movie a lot. I think it does a lot of really great, smart, adaptational choices. I like the first act a lot. I like... Me too. Everything I love all in, the setup. Everything in New York City, I think, is fantastic. Um, the boat, I think, slows down a little bit. And we do get some of that bloat once we're on the island, I think, too. Um, I will say, I do find... I love how gross the island is. I love all the 
uh, okay, I don't love all the bugs. Oh, but, uh, God. They scare the crap out of me. Uh, I do like that he was able to have the spider pit sequence. The spider that pit was, sequence is good. It's horrifying, yeah. Jacob. Andy Serkis' uh, oh, human oh. character gets maybe the worst movie death oh. I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, so many giant bugs on this island. When she's hiding from Kong and the dinosaurs in the log and those giant centipedes are crawling yep. on her. Nope. Nope. I check out. I, I can't. I can't look at it, Jacob. This, uh, I don't handle bugs or spiders very well. This Skull Island is the only Skull Island... Maybe other than the first, but maybe ever. It's creepy. That I actually buy as a thriving ecosystem. Yes. Uh, like, they do such a great job building the world of this Skull Island, where I believe that there is a chain of creatures that are constantly fighting for survival. Mm-hmm. I love um, the I love the, the V-Rex fight that they the have. The V-Rex fight is the... I think It's the, gorgeous. It's the most impressive action sequence in the film. I love it. I love uh, Kong saving her with every limb he has. Yep. Uh, like, yeah, I love like, when he catches her with his feet. Catches her with her with his feet, still holding on. Still, uh, he's got like two T Rexes in a in a V Rexes in a headlock, yep. and he's got her in her in his foot. Um, the fact that he fights. Okay, I had somehow forgotten that he fights three in this movie. I thought he I only had fought two. two. <laughs> I thought it was two, but no, he's fighting three of these things. Yeah. Uh, he gets rid of one of them pretty quick, but then they're running all over the island. There's the awesome sequence where they're all swinging from vines. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It's such it's such thrilling action. It's so well shot, and it's uh, yeah, just I, so impressive. It's, it's easily the most impressive action scene in the movie. Um, I love it. I, and I, I, I love it. I love the quiet moments. Yeah, I was about to say, I think the thing that is the most iconic scene and the scene that I think makes this movie actually worth it to me is the scene where Naomi Watts starts to do her vaudeville routine oh, for Kong. it's so beautiful. And he gets addicted to, like, knocking her over, and then she has to yell at him, and he goes <laughs> and he and giggles. Like, the relationship they build in that scene is so good and so effective. That Kong laughing at her doing pratfalls. It's just good. so cute and pure, and like I'm just like I'm watching it, and I'm like, this is beautiful. This is this is what I watch movies for. This is just so pure. I love it. I will say, I think my main problem with the movie is that, and it's something I think I've kind of I've I don't know. Maybe I'm just assuming about Jackson based on what is I've it seen, that it's the smallest Kong? No, I, I don't really care about that. <laughs> uh, but like, I think. After making The Lord of the Rings and the weird way in which post-production worked on The Lord of the Rings films and how they were, like, doing everything pretty much until they premiered the screens, I think he got addicted to working in that style. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has hurt his films post-Lord of the Rings in that I don't think he gives himself enough Time. Time. And I don't think I think he's gotten addicted to making changes late in the game. Kong's design changed drastically just a few months before the movie came out. Yeah. Um, if you look at all the merchandise, Kong's face is like way more fucked up. Um, a lot of more battle scars. Yeah, yeah. Their, their their concept was like, you know, he had he had constantly fought to survive and I, I think they cutened him up for the movie and itself. They, they talked about that on the behind the scenes. They're like our early concepts were like he was had a lot of battle scars. Uh and I think Jackson was like, we almost stuck with that, but I didn't want to scare people. 
Yeah. With Kong. I didn't want people to, he didn't want people to be afraid of Kong. They wanted him to be an endearing character, which in this version, he really much, he is an endearing character. Yeah. Like you feel for him. I mean, and Andy Serkis has given it his all. Yeah. Uh, doing double duty, two performances he did for this movie. He was on set with everyone, uh, where, you know, uh, just so they had someone to react to. And then he had to redo his entire performance. Yeah. Uh, in the motion capture suit, which, you know what? Bless that man. He, he, he knows what he's doing. He's yeah. pretty damn, he's pretty damn good at it. But this movie, it had a lot of late in the game changes like that. Like we, we lost the Howard Shore score just like two months before the movie came out mm-hmm. and they uh, replaced him with James Newton Howard. Um, and I think just some of the effects end up feeling a little underbaked. Like the effects themselves, I think are fantastic, but the compositing, a That's lot of fair. times That's the human fair. characters don't feel like they are in the same place as the Skull Island. Background. The only time I really feel that is the the stampede. The stampede chase is I think it's a, it's effects a fun, wise it's the worst part of the movie. It's it's a fun scene. Yeah, it's and a great concept. Also one of the only scenes that survived from his 1996 script. Mm, interesting. Uh, and yeah. And, and that was his 1996 a, script was very much the Mummy 99. Yeah. And they had always questioned that. Did they read our script <laughs> when they made the mummy? Did they did they do that? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. He, the they talk about that. They're like, yeah. There's scenes in the mummy that are lifted wholesale, like mm. the fact that uh, Anne was a librarian, mm-hmm. like she was she was like an academic or whatever. Yeah, a lot of stuff like that. Um, I I do almost feel like Kong is softened a little too much in this. I no, I kind of miss Mean Kong. I like nice Mean Kong. I I I love Ice Dance Kong. Yeah, which that is my favorite scene in the movie. It's a nice scene uh, when they're just that. It's so beautiful, just them dan- uh, dancing together on 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 the ice, covered in snow, and it's just it's this nice because the last act of this movie is action, action, action. And it's nice to have that break. Yeah. That that breather. Yeah. So you can just like, okay, take a breath. There's 20 minutes left. Let's go. And uh, the New York stuff in this is great as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I lo- love love the, the cars mm-hmm. swerving on the ice. Uh, I, I love uh, Driscoll trying to like find her and save her. I like the bait and switch. Yeah. You really get a sense of New York as a location in this in a way that you don't even in the original. You kind no, of you, don't, get, no. you get the elevated train, you get the Empire State Building, but that's pretty much it. You don't see Kong rampaging through Times Square or Broadway or any of that. And, and yeah, and it's, re- and it's really I like, good. I like the cent- uh, the part that takes place in Times Square. I love I love how confused Kong looks. Mm-hmm. He, like every time they 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 pan over to Kong, he's got that look on his face like, "What is this?" Yeah. What what is this place? What are these things? And I I love him searching for Anne. I love him picking up every blonde girl he sees, looking her in the face, and just chucking her off to the side. Yeah, <laughs> that's really See, funny. That, that's like, another. Oh, there you go. Go away. In the original Kong, when he does that, the toss of the non Anne is so dramatic and deadly. And in this, they soften. It's it. Just, like it's you just, hear a soft noise, like she um, lands and is okay. And I'm like, nope. I, I want Kong uh, to be a monster. What version did you watch? I, I watched the uh, theatrical. Okay, I watched the extended cut. The first woman he throws 
you hear her legs snap. Okay. You hear a very loud crack. When See, she hits, I, I like hits that. the ground, and I'm like, oh, ugh. yeah, yeah. Her legs snap. Like he tosses her hard. In mine, I just it's like a gentle thump. Oof, and I was like, no. ah, I kind of want Kong to like. Oof, he is a monster no. still. Like he looks at this girl, chucks her off to the side. Then you hear like, <coughs> I'll say like, the, someone, like someone was just like doing old school foley art, like snapping <laughs> celery. Like, oof. Oh, her legs oh, that's snapped. good. I like that. I miss that. <laughs> it's so good. I think the camera work in the biplane sequence is really good. They really sell the feeling of flight from the planes. It and... looks really good. And uh, the way they did that was cool. They actually did a helicopter flyby through New York. Oh, that is cool. And they mapped it to that footage. Um, also, I love uh, Anne, Naomi Watts, uh, climbing up the ladder. Yep. To go save him, which was not in the script originally. Oh, wow. Uh, that was in pre-production. They went to New York, Peter Jackson, some of the crew, Naomi Watts. They toured the Empire State Building, and they mm-hmm. went to the very top of the Empire State Building. Like, they even went into the radio tower, mm-hmm. uh, which was very dangerous, and they were both all terrified. Uh, Naomi Watts thought she was going to die the whole time she was up there because there's, like, no railing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then she pointed out the ladder, and she's like, Peter, what about this ladder? Maybe we could use something with this. Maybe she climbs up to, like, try to rescue Kong. And he's like, you know what? That is a good idea. Yeah. We're going to do that. So if they hadn't done that little tour, you wouldn't have had that cool part of her climbing up the ladder with, like, the peril that happens when, like, it gets shot with bullets and she's hanging and he has to catch her. Oh, my God. Terrific. I will say Adrian Brody does feel kind of superfluous to the end of this movie. Because she's in love with Kong. I, I just, part of me almost wishes that they had, like, shock killed off his character. Because, <laughs> honestly, like, once they get to New York, he does nothing. <laughs> he kind of does. I mean, he chases after her, tries to help. Yeah. I, uh, they changed that from the original script and the original character. In the original, he was going to be taking control of a biplane. Because no. he was a pilot in the original script. Mm. Uh, he was, he, yeah, he was O'Connell, basically. Yeah. <laughs> he was a pilot going to be, like, distracting all the other biplanes, trying to get them to focus on him and not Kong and all that stuff. But, you know, we got what we got, and yeah. w- what we got was pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do think is... that focusing on Nemo on Anne as the main character, and he is essentially the love interest, I mm-hmm. think that is a good choice that they've made. It's a, it's a nice flipping of the script. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I love this movie. I think it's one of the best blockbusters of its era. Uh, it's it's just it's just got a lot of heart in it. It's got great effects. Uh, the performances are great. Uh, everything about this movie just screams Matt movie, and uh, <laughs> it's it's really good. It's also like really sad, and uh, and it's a movie that makes me cry, Jacob. Uh, every time I watch it, just and like me and King that. Kong lives. Oh God! Uh, so now this brings us to Kong Skull Island. Yeah. Sure. I think I'm much more positive about this than you are. Are you? <laughs> yeah, this movie rules. <laughs> it's fine. It's ugh. It's, it's a bunch of it's a bunch it's okay. Larry Fong is the MVP here. Oh my god. This movie looks good. It's it looks very good. In service of who cares? I it's just whatever. It's got a bunch of characters whose names I couldn't tell you going off on Vietnam times, uh, 
John Goodman dies like it's nothing. That's offensive to me. What? He gets a cool death. <laughs> yeah, whatever. His camera bulb no, keeps doesn't. going off inside the stomach of the monster. Yeah, I guess. I don't uh, remember I like that. that. Uh, uh, yeah, it's cool. This movie, uh, it's fine. <laughs> I, My uh, least favorite of the MonsterVerse. Oh, really? I, oh, I would put this over Godzilla 2014. Whoa, never. I think it's... Yeah, no, I, I, I will, I will say that without caveat. I, I think this is better than uh, Godzilla 2014. I like that one of this my is... favorite movies of all time against this. No, I'm good. <laughs> Hard pass. I, I like that this is an explicitly anti-war movie. I think, and I think that it's interesting that we got that out of Kong instead of Godzilla, where it feels like that's that is, a much more natural theme. Um, I don't know. I like, I like the, um, I like I, the look of Kong. The look of Kong rules. I I, I love giant cool. Kong. I uh, I always feel like Kong is too small in every movie. I think except for the original. I I don't. There's just something about CG Kongs that I'm or people in suit Kongs. I'm like, is he really even that big though? That's, I don't know. This movie's okay. Um, it's whatever. The the needle. So I mean, I think this movie's big problem is that. I think the director is coming from a place where he has no life experience or thoughts about anything that isn't movies already. So yeah. he's like, okay, well, this movie is going to be based on 70s Vietnam movies. And so it takes all of its cues from those same movies and also its themes from those movies. And it's like, well, no, you should be mixing and matching things. You should, like make a movie that takes place in Vietnam, but take your inspirations from non-Vietnam movies or yeah. make your inspiration Vietnam movies, but set it in World War II. Like, mix and match to try and, like, create something new. Don't just kind of give it, like, the needle drops in this movie are all so obvious. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, Clarence Clearwater revival. I've heard that oh, in yeah. every Vietnam movie ever made. It's part of the contract. You have to have... Uh, run through the jungle but like in in every vietnam movie you didn't know this but like this movie i i like that this movie's mean i like that characters get cool seemingly random deaths that are cruel like you remember when jurassic world came out and everybody was kind of the death set the deaths are cool everybody was upset oh you mean by the babysitter death in um jurassic world amazing felt scene so cruel which i no, that scene's amazing i mean i understand that feeling but this movie gets away with it because literally every character gets that. And I think that's great. Uh, I love the I love the idea of Skull Island being a place of just like weirdo monsters and not just dinosaurs. I want to see the movie that John C. Riley was in. John C. Riley is the MVP. I don't I don't know. He's not in this movie. He's in a totally different movie. And I want to watch that movie. I think this movie's biggest problem is that it doesn't create clear dramatic character roles in that all of the actors are doing interesting things they all have and they all look good doing they all it. look good doing and it a, and like they all the movie's pretty they are definitely like like i can tell shay wingham from samuel l jackson from you know they all have their own personal like character traits and they apart. have their own wants and needs <laughs> but the movie never settles on who is a main character? Who is a secondary character? Is this an ensemble? Yeah. It doesn't feel like an ensemble. And no. John C. Riley's character is somehow both the comedic relief 
and the heart of the movie, and he also doesn't weird. come into the movie until halfway through. Yeah, he comes in, like, <clears throat> more than halfway And, like, through. Tom Hiddleston's character, he is the, like, silent badass side character, but he's also kind of a lead, but kind he's also not. And the same thing with Brie Larson. You're like, is she who we're following? Like, there's never a clear sense She of does nothing. Who are you following in this movie? She does nothing in this movie. She's just there to take pictures. I, it's very I, weird. I like her character. Like, her character, though, as an anti-war war photographer, that's a cool character. It's just... She's, it doesn't add up to she's anything. She's not given a place in the movie to be that yeah. for that character to actually mean anything. But I don't know. It's just two hours of like cool monster deaths and interesting characters telling goofy jokes. And I, I can't be too mad at that. It's fine. Ugh. Uh, Ugh. I do wish the main skull crawler was a little more interesting. Um, He's just a skull crawler, but bigger. Yeah, I, I, I want like the final battle... It's a cool battle, but I never really feel like, oh, Kong's going to get it this time. Like, the main Skullcrawler, he's like, I don't know, give me, like, three of them and give me, like, a few extra, like, I don't know, make all the monsters on Skull Island turn against him or something. I am not... I like I like the big cow. The big cows are great. I like the big cow. He's cute. I am not ever a proponent of turn your brain off cinema, because I think you should be fully engaged even in the goofiest, stupidest stuff. Even in King Kong Lives, King Kong Lives is more fun and funnier if you are fully, actively brain engaged. That said, I do think Kong Skull Island is a movie that you have more fun if you kind of turn off your brain and you just accept the moment-by-moment pleasures of it. Because I think there are a lot of pleasurable moments that just don't never like coalesce into anything. Yeah. It looks cool. It looks really cool. It's so It looks really looking. cool. Uh, there's some good monster fights. John C. Riley. John C. Reilly. I, I cried uh, the first I like, time I, I like, saw this movie. I like movie. Richard Jenkins. I like Richard Jenkins. He's great. I like him. He's in it for a couple minutes. Um, Mark Evan Jackson's in it. He's great. I don't know who that is. Um, he was on The Good Place and Brooklyn Nine Nine and. Um, oh, that that yeah. toe. That 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 little nerd. <laughs> okay, I know him from uh, Can You Ever Forgive okay, Me? Yeah. He was uh, he was her lawyer. I love the geologists and biologists like soft kind of love story as they form the guy Mark. from uh the guy from straight out of compton right mm-hmm. also hey this movie has a mini straight out of compton reunion so good for that yeah. that was cool the guys who played uh dre and easy e are, are both in this uh pretty fucking awesome actually but i think this movie because it's ripping off vietnam movies so hard it stumbles into a like political statement about like don't go looking for enemies or you know, an enemy doesn't yeah. exist until you go looking for one. And I think that that is very relevant. And that's the one point in the, where the movie stops feeling like a Vietnam pastiche and is like, oh, that's something to say about our current wars. And yes, I think that's at least kind of they tried. They tried and they tried. Uh, but if I'm being honest, the, the director does emanate. He radiates a uh, dumb guy energy. Yeah. But uh, to like to the cows come home. <laughs> I and sometimes I kind of want to see a movie by a dumb guy. Uh, so yeah, that brings us to the yeah, end. King that's, Kong. Uh, that's Kong. That's a long episode. That's a giant ape-sized eighth wonder of the world episode. Yeah, we, we, there's there's just so much to talk to about King Kong. I like King Kong. I do too. He's a. I like I like that big old ape. I, you know, I'm still a, a Godzilla guy. I am rooting for Godzilla in the upcoming Kong versus Godzilla. So am I. But um. You know, I, 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 I support Kong. 
he tries and that's he does that's all we can ask he's he's a good boy he's he's a very good boy uh so yeah i guess that brings us to the end uh jacob where can the people find you on the internet uh, the good people can find me online at jacob underscore denoble that's my name on uh twitter and letterbox and that's all it right. as for me you can find me at the real matt c anywhere because i paid off some people and now i have that name everywhere it's uh, pretty sweet. Uh, stay tuned next month. Uh, we might have a surprise. We might have a surprise. Um, yeah. Uh, until then, thanks for listening. Don't go climbing up any uh, tall skyscrapers. Or do. We're not going to tell you how to run your life. <laughs> Keep listening and stay spooky. Stay <laughs> spooky.